0: superstars welcome to the up your creative genius podcast where you will gain insight and tips to stomp on the accelerator and blast off to transform your business and your life I'm your host Patty Dobrovolsky, and if this is your first time tuning in then strap in because this is serious rocket fuel each week, I interview fellow creative geniuses to help you learn how easy it is to up your creative genius in any part of your life. Hey, everybody. Oh, my gosh. I have Natalie Webb here from Cafe Sita. You are going to love her. She's so incredible. So talk about a big big pivot. This is somebody who really literally was, well, first, I want to say what your coffee company is, that you're about focusing on women's empowerment and environmental sustainability in the coffee industry, and that you were a human rights activist lawyer in 70 countries, and you lived in 10 of them, and then you went into coffee. I am, this is just so incredible. (laughs) So I just can't wait to hear from you. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. You got to tell us the story of you, because this is amazing that what you did in the world, I kind of want to know, like, how did you get the idea that you were going to be a human rights lawyer And then what was that like for you? And then why did you shift? You know, all these things. So take your time and tell us really from the start, a birth happens and then Natalie (laughs) Webb comes (laughs) and tell me, you know, like tell about your past a little bit so we get to know you. Are you from L.A.? You live in L.A. now.
1: Yeah. So I am originally from L.A., born and raised and left, though, when I was 18, I actually really didn't like LA growing up, which is funny that I'm back here. So I'll get to that. But um, left when I was (laughs) 18. I'm a dual citizen with the UK. So went and worked over there, which was very cool because I worked as a bartender. So as an 18 year old American. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. What a cool job to have when you're 18. too. You know, yes,
1: completely. And that actually started just my love of travel. I mean, I grew up you know, traveling with family, especially going to go back to London to visit my mom's side of the family. But yeah, I just became completely enamored with it. And from there, it kind of took off. So I came back after that first gap year, went to college, did multiple study abroad. So
0: everybody, I want you to hear that. She said that first gap year, right? Yeah. So, you know, any of you that are listening, we're into the gap year thing because that's how you figure out who you are and what you want to do. And I took a gap year too. I traveled in my gap year because I had to. I didn't have very much money. So it was a very impoverished traveling, but it was okay.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I think when you're 18 and your 20s or whenever, it's a great way to travel also to do that backpacking because you really experience a country from a different perspective. And I feel like I connected more with people. I was doing couch surfing, which I don't know if you know that website, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like yes. legit sitting on people's couches. So I came back to college, did some study abroad. Actually, one of them was in Singapore. And during that semester, I started scuba diving and completely fell in love with it. And then decided when I was done with my undergrad that I Wanted to be a dive master, so spent a year, second gap year, working as a dive master. Under the
0: water. You were underwater breathing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, completely. Like an instructor's assistant, basically. Yeah. And then another semester abroad that I did in undergrad was in Ghana. And when I was in Ghana, for the whole semester, we had to do a research assignment. And we could choose any topic that we wanted. And when I was there, it was just very eye-opening for me to kind of see how the world worked as far as international economics. So was seeing that Ghana had all these raw materials, but nothing was being like manufactured in the country. So everything was being imported. And I started looking more and more and decided to do the research on gold mining, which it used to be the gold coast, right? So right. it still has this whole history from colonization and it still has the same infrastructure, which is all about getting the gold as quickly out of the country for as cheaply as possible to other countries that then are actually making all the money off of it. So- right.
0: um, Typical I, story in Africa about their resources and other countries, right? They, Where people come in, especially if it's not developed economy, then they just come right. in and take advantage of that. Yes, we'll give you some money and maybe we'll build some roads for you. And maybe we'll put in some water, but then what happens we know is the story.
1: Absolutely. And so I realized- all of the companies that were doing gold money were all foreign corporations yeah. and they were just completely breaking in all of the laws, the labor laws, the environmental laws. I mean, it was terrible. And it was kind of left to the nonprofits to hold these corporations accountable, which was very difficult. So the way that it was most effective is if those nonprofits teamed up with nonprofits in the U S or Canada, or where the corporations were actually based to try to hold them accountable in their home country. So all of this to say is this is why I went to law school. This was like an amazing semester for me and I just decided I wanna do human rights law and corporate accountability. And oh, then I, I love another-
0: that. I love that corporate <laughs> accountability. <laughs> we're always going for that, right? <laughs> we always well, want to hold the corporation. Too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because when I got into it, it was called corporate accountability. Now they call it corporate social responsibility, and it's been a little bit softer than it had been. <laughs> and Unfortunately, when I was in law school, actually, mm-hmm. the laws that were being used to hold corporations accountable, the Supreme Court didn't completely shut it down, but like really. Pretty like, much.
0: They pretty much it. did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, all the, like the kind of piecemeal stories, but basically I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I still took another gap year to work as a dive master. And then I moved to New York and went to law school there. Then did you go a... to NYU there? I Where'd went you to go? CUNY. Uh, oh, CUNY. University, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Which is like, I went to Santa Cruz for my undergrad. and then <laughs> That's a good, that's <laughs> and, a good segue. Yeah. So it,
0: it <laughs> yes, really- <laughs> it is. Whoa. I so know it. Cause I went to Evergreen. So you oh, can imagine, you uh, know, yeah. right? So like it's almost like going to yeah, <laughs> Santa Cruz. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So I felt very lucky to be around law students who all wanted to become, you know, public defenders and yeah. were like all about kind of using the law for the good and for the people. So I came out of law school right during the foreclosure crisis. And so my first job was actually then doing foreclosure prevention That then turned into eviction prevention, and then I was doing gender-based violence work, and then I was doing immigration policy, and then I was doing post-conviction relief work. So it was a lot of amazing work that I was doing, and I really liked it, but I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. So I really spent years kind of thinking about what that would be because my background was always working at nonprofits. My go-to thought was going to be, okay, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Like, this is what I want to do. But I also had seen that so much of the nonprofit world is really focused on grant writing, grant reporting, you know, they need the funding. And so whatever the funders want, they kind of, that's the work that they're going to do. They're very reliant on it. Yeah. So I which doesn't
0: really give you the place to land your heart in a spot. It means that you're always focused on what are they going to fund? And, absolutely. and that that really I think for any entrepreneur, this is the tricky part, because when you do pitch for funding, any, whether you have a product or a service, you want to make sure that you are holding true to your vision of what it is. And it's hard to do. It really right. is.
1: completely, especially also. Basically trying to f- figure out the business model that was the most efficient that I was comfortable with coming from this when I anti-capitalist ideology, <laughs> also seeing the downfall of nonprofits. And so- yeah. When I was in my last lawyer position, doing the post conviction relief work, it was actually remote work, even though it was before the pandemic. So it was before <laughs> it was like popular. <laughs> All
0: thing. right, you were ahead of the curve on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and seventy it- countries and
0: lived in ten. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking. You know, you skipped over the. I went from this country to this country to this country. I mean, this I can. If you yeah, want. <laughs> you and the plane, and then you know, like that. Okay, you couldn't do that now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So while I was doing that job. I was living in Oaxaca, Mexico, which is one of my favorite places in the world. I just loved it so much. And while I was there, I was volunteering at a few organizations, but one of them was this one called Envia. And they do responsible tourism. So they'll take people out to the villages surrounding Oaxaca to visit these women artisans who are making amazing, like they're weavers and potters and just doing incredibly cool art. And the money that they make from the tours, they then use as no interest loans to those artisans to get their businesses up and running oh, and being nice. self-sustaining and being empowered. And it's been incredibly wow. successful. And it just was so inspiring to me because it was a self-sustaining nonprofit. They weren't reliant on grants, they didn't have to do any of that. They don't have to Yeah, spend it was this all time. coming from the yeah. work
0: that was being done and made. Yeah.
1: And, you so know, every part that. of it was great. And so that's why I decided, okay, I want to do a social enterprise that's like this. And then I had to decide, okay, what was the business side going to be to to sustain the nonprofit side? And I've just always loved coffee. It's something, I mean, especially as a lawyer, as a student, like it's just been such a big (laughs) part of my life. And then when I was living abroad and working remote, I was always working from cafes. And so seeing Just that cafe culture, the similarities around the world, the differences, like the community aspect of all of them. I just loved it so much. And so the original plan was I was going and I was like, okay, I'm going to open a cafe and the cafe will be able to do all these programs. And so this was actually like 2019, wasn't it that you were planning all this? Right. So I started thinking about it around then, but I actually decided, okay, I'm going to do this like really kind of like about it. In 2020. <laughs> so I was. Oh, yay! Traveling.
0: Great, <laughs> yeah. great time to launch a exactly. new venture. Definitely.
1: Exactly. So I was yeah. in Morocco at the time, <laughs> working from there. And I was like taking photos of cafes. And I was like, this is so awesome. I'm so excited. I'm so inspired. And then I was incredibly lucky with timing that I actually left Morocco the week. It, like they shut their borders down and so I left right before that happened without knowing just kind of looking in retrospect how lucky it was and then I was flying back when the ban on the european travel was announced i like landed and was like oh this happened while i was in the air and then la completely shut down so not the best time to open a cafe yeah, and so pivoted definitely. to a coffee company and so now We do half e-commerce and half wholesale to other cafes. And hopefully the goal is to one day still have a cafe. But for now, it's been really great actually doing the e-commerce and working with other cafe owners because there's still that community aspect in that.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: Wow. So, <laughs> so that's ideas. crazy. But
0: now talk about what your whole business model is based on, because this, I mean, that's an incredible journey to get to there, but the thing that I love about it is you're doing something really different around the coffee. You aren't just going and grabbing coffee from countries and getting it at the price, right? You're right. doing something else with it. So say more about that.
1: Absolutely. So the coffee company and the business model that Cafecita is, is that all of our beans are single origin, organic and fair trade certified, and they all come from sustainable women-owned coffee farms and co-ops. And then a percentage of every sale goes to supporting women's nonprofits around the world, starting with Envia, the organization I volunteered with in Oaxaca that I was so inspired by. So yes. they get a percentage of every sale. So it's been amazing. And I should also backtrack to say that when I started researching cafes and the coffee industry, I just saw how male dominated it is and how the farms, yeah. they'll have up to 70% of the manual labor is women, but they're far less represented as the farm owners or any type of management position. And then even when they do own the farms, the price that they're getting for their coffee is way lower and they're not having like the same support or the resources. And so, wow. yeah, it's been interesting because it's all this new research. I mean, new, like in the past 10, 15 years, I would say, Yes, but because so many of the coffee companies in the US are also owned by men, it's this corner of the coffee industry that people are interested in, but like, it hasn't really been tapped into. And so I was like, that's what cafe is going to be like, that's exactly it. And so we really want like from, the beans all the way to the cup and beyond to really be supporting like women's empowerment.
0: Oh, that is so incredible. Well, no surprise that the coffee plantations, right? And who's running them and who's profiting from them are men. I mean, these are predominantly countries where it is still many places, a male-dominated industry and our culture, right? So how did you go about finding those plantations, the coffee farms, because that is like crazy.
1: Yeah. So, luckily, I was introduced to our importer, which is Sustainable Harvest, and they're based in Portland, but their whole model is relationships. They have relationships with these farms for decades. And like their mission is very aligned with Cafecita because also it was launched in 2020. I was really reliant on sustainable harvest and to have those relationships already established. And so through them, I'm able to connect with the farms and so excited because from the time I launched it, I have been like, I cannot wait to actually go to the farms and like meet with the women and, yes. and start that very personal connection, but it hasn't been safe. And I haven't wanted to go until I feel very no, sure about it. No, that's right.
0: That's right. Or because you might get trapped there, not so much that you wouldn't be worried about getting COVID there, which is one concern, but I think it's more that you couldn't get back into the U S Oh, you know, they shut down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or bring COVID. That was my biggest concern is like going into these villages and like bringing it unknowingly. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah, it was just something I wanted to be, make sure everybody was vaccinated and boosted and we're good. So now we have a trip hopefully coming up soon, which I'm very, very excited about. And that will be to our producers in Chiapas.
0: Well, and where are they? You know, what part of the world? Is it Central America, South America? Tell us where some of those sustainable farms are. So we get a sense of where those beans are coming from, because we know that they're dried in different ways in different countries. You know, but that part of the world, I think where you're getting it is the best way to treat the coffee, right?
1: Right. So right now we're working with producers in Peru, Colombia, and Mexico oh. in the past have worked with producers in Rwanda, Guatemala, and Honduras as well. So it's as the harvests come in that we just, which coffees we take on, which has been really cool. Cause it also means we get to try out different coffees from everywhere and kind of figure out what the ones that we like. So the majority are Latin America, central and South, but I really love the East African coffees. So I'm always trying to pull those in. And <laughs> yeah. we potentially are going to get some from Indonesia soon as well, which I'm very Oh, fantastic.
0: About. Now then are you doing just green bean or are you doing roasting? What are you selling and doing with it? <laughs> Once you get the beans, I don't know. So, I don't know. Uh, like, can
1: I get some green, put it in my own roaster? Or can I get some
0: already roasted? Right. Yeah. So
1: we buy the green and then we roast to order. So it's very, very like, the quality is something I've been very non-compromising about. And so that's why it's, you know, single origin, organic, fair trade. I mean, like the coffee is, yeah, it's amazing. Just, you know, if you're into coffee, like I can't, it has to be the best. <laughs> so we roast to order. So everything's very fresh when we ship it out and we roast here in LA. And then the e-commerce people buy through our website and that, we can ship that all over the U S and then the cafes that we're working with right now are also in Los Angeles right now. But then we're also on quite a few digital marketplace platforms, which has been really great. So that's also like throughout the U S and then we're also do a lot of corporate gifting. So if companies want to buy a lot of bags as gifts for their employees or for marketing to their clients, all of that, we've tapped into that, which has been great as well. So. That's fantastic. So this is a big shift from being (laughs) a human rights lawyer to being,
0: you know, a business owner, an entrepreneur with a product. So how did you make that shift? I mean, what did you do? I mean, like that must have been like a big Peruvian mountain you were going up, right? (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And I am still climbing that mountain. (laughs) So it is such a journey. It's been great, though, because I was so excited going into it about having that something myself that I can create and the amount of work that I put into it, you see that work, you know? So it's definitely challenging. There's skill sets that I had going into it of being detail-oriented or organized, these things that are more like lawyer skills that have been incredibly useful. But then there's also a lot of new skills that I have to to learn and that I'm working on. Like, I,
0: like winning others over or what's the new <laughs> skill that you have um, to learn? Like saying no or knowing the quality or what's that?
1: Just yeah, well, more. definitely coffee because you know, going into it, I was like, oh, I love coffee. I know what I like, but let me tell you how nuanced it is. So it's really oh, yeah. great working with the roasters because they have 30 years experience and they're like amazing. So I really... That's something that I definitely have a team that's like coffee experts to make sure everything's great. But it's also just for me, my biggest thing is management. I'm sometimes a little bit too nice, I feel, and I really like the mm. team aspect of things, which is great when you have a good team. But if somebody, I've like, we've had interns before where it's a little bit challenging because they're not coming through with the work that they said, and then are like,
0: underperforming.
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then how to give them feedback, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, for example, things like that, that I'm still working on, but it's good. I mean, I'm I'm definitely enjoying the process.
0: I love that. And, you know, I think these are the things you don't realize when you go into business for yourself, eventually you're going to have to have help and it happens usually sooner than later. And then you need to manage the help. And that is like, it's not as precise a skill as being a lawyer, you know, reading a document and making sure that it's clear and et cetera. It is the same principles, of course, but it's just happens in a completely different way. So that is so amazing. Okay, take yeah. a pause just for one second, will you? Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons that I thought we should stop is because I wanted to make sure I could ask you some deeper questions about the employee thing, because I was saying, you know, this is and I didn't say this on the podcast, but when we stopped, I said, this is my Achilles heel, too, is giving people feedback. You know, you have to give people feedback often. You can't just assume that they know how. And I don't know about you, but my first admin that worked for me, that was, like she was a star player. So everybody, I compare that bar to her every time. And I'm like, well, that person's not Emer. I mean, you know, like that, because she was so incredible and her work ethic and she understood my voice and, you know, all these things. And so how are you doing with you? Like an all hands meeting? What do you do to get your team aligned?
1: You know, that's exactly it. It's very hard. It was hard for me because I've realized my default is to be so nice. Right. And to assume like your first admin, they're just going to get it. We're going to be on the same page and there's going to be no issues. But of course that doesn't always happen. And so one of the things from living in New York that I really appreciate is when people are direct, like I do not yeah. get offended. I do not take it. And I'm not defensive. Like just tell it to me straight. Yeah. But it's funny because it's like, that's how I like people to interact with me,
0: but being that way, it's It's a skill, right? It is.
1: It is. And so (laughs) it's something I'm still learning and also just trying to put more structure, you know, with the people that I work with so that there's boundaries, there's expectations. Cause I think once people know that people are fine with it, but it's almost putting those boundaries and those expectations on someone. It's a skill. Yeah.
0: Did you have to practice like I always tell people, you know, practice at home in your relationships about how to set boundaries there because it's easy to set boundaries for me with my partner. I'm like, do not leave the cupboards. This is what she said to me. Do not leave the cupboards open. You're driving me crazy. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I couldn't say that to one of my employees, but I could say something like, you know, that sandwich where I say, you're doing such great. I love having you on my team. You're magnificent. And I want to walk you through how this process might work better for me. And then you give me feedback. And actually, my friend Hannah, not too long ago, taught me how to do that better because she was like, you know what? The feedback thing, you got to figure that out because you're not so good at it. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) thank you.
1: <laughs> See, that's great feedback. <laughs> she gave me like a little
0: tip. I know she gave me a little tip sheet. So it's on my whiteboard. It's not in this house where I am, but it's on my whiteboard. So when I'm about to give feedback, I look at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Be kind, you know, be nice, be honest, yeah. and be direct, you know, yeah. don't mess around. Right.
1: Well, that's exactly it. And I mean, I think most people, at least the people that I've worked with, like they want to do better. People want to be good workers, you know. Yeah. So exactly, just. Be positive, like focus on the good and then, you know, work together to set.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now you're going to go on a trip to meet some of the growers, right?
1: Yeah. Um, So
0: tell me where
1: are you going? Where are you going to go first? So we're going to Chiapas right now. I'm going with our photographer who is amazing. And by the way, he also just started and incredibly happy to be working with him. So he's already been in Oaxaca.
0: You already went through the boundary process with him. Yes. This is what I want you to shoot. I do not want you to shoot this. Do not shoot yeah. my left side, shoot my right. You know, like that, right?
1: <laughs> um, well, it's just, you're talking about your first admin. Sometimes people just click. I mean, that's like the ideal, but yeah. it doesn't always happen. And with him, I feel very grateful that it does appear to be happening like that, which is nice. And so
0: awesome.
1: he was in Oaxaca. He actually, I think just yesterday is now in Chiapas. So he's already there. Okay. And I'm hoping to go down in a couple of weeks as well. So all right, so you're gonna
0: fly there. Are you gonna? Is it close yeah. enough to drive? You're flying. So yeah, where so is it? Where is it? Where, is it it's in Mexico? The most
1: southern state of Mexico, yeah. right? So it's right. almost right next to. Um, it is next to Guatemala, but of course, where the farm is is out in the countryside. So yeah. flying into the main airport there, staying in San Cristobal, which is this really. city that I've been wanting to see. And then it's like a four or maybe even longer drive to the closest little village. And then from there, it's another four hour drive to the farm. So from that point, the farm will pick us up. And then when we're out there, we'll um, do homestays and really get to know the community, which is the whole thing. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah. And go on the farm and just meet the women, see how everything works and then eventually make our way back. So I cannot wait. (laughs) Oh, that (laughs) sounds so
0: exciting. I'm crossing my fingers that everything stays open. Thank you. You know what I mean? It's just so, it's so open and closed, open and closed. And I think, you know, learning how to be in a state of flux, like April Rennie would say it's state of flux, be good about that. But that's, what's true when you travel anyway, you know, you being a seasoned traveler, you know,
1: absolutely. And I was going to say, Most of Sita, starting in 2020, it has been a huge skill for us to always pivot. So like, I really always try to think of, you know, being a palm tree, right? Exactly. You got to move. with the wind. It's a wind.
0: Now, did you start to do a brick and mortar? Do you have any brick and mortar presence at all? Did you? Um,
1: Not yet, because it really... I mean, everything shut down before I could even get started, luckily, right? So I haven't had to have that overhead with the rent or with all the employees and all of that. So in that sense, it has been great to be able to pivot so easily with all the flux that's going on. But this semester, Caffecita also has been very, very fortunate to work with UC Irvine, So their law school did all our trademarks and now their small business clinic is actually going to be helping us and they specialize in the brick and mortar. So we will be starting this semester, figuring out all the permits and the licensing and all of of that fun stuff to have, like (laughs) the lawyers be able to do despite being a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. watch out, watch out coffee in LA. We know (laughs) who we're talking to here. Watch out, (laughs) we're going to surpass you in any second (laughs) (laughs) well that's fantastic now how do you balance your work life with your personal
1: life how do you keep all that in balance balance what is that (laughs) 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 yeah it's been really difficult to be honest it's been so so busy like the first year was really working on the foundation and that seemed, you know, that was a little bit kind of slower moving and really reaching out. And now it's the scaling and it's yeah very inconsistent at the moment where it will be like super busy one week and then maybe like slower orders the next week. And so it's been a lot. I mean, even this morning, it's been like completely running around LA, dropping hey. off coffee at cafes, <laughs> going to the roaster, having to go back to the roaster, like making calls, like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good. All right. Because I love to ask people like, tell me, uh-huh. you know, what's your day? What's the day in the life of your cafe Sita? Like for you, what do you do in the morning to prep yourself, get ready? So when you're thinking about, you know, this is how I prepare so that I can deliver. And then how do I calm down at night? Walk us through like a day of yours, if you would.
1: Absolutely. Well, I feel like I should also say there's the ideal day that I know I should be doing. No, I want the real day. I want the real day. I
0: want the real day. Give us the real stuff here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So on a real day, it's like normally I'm also... Like a big time cyclist, I'm going to be racing this year. So oh right, yeah, I'm super yes. excited. <laughs> yeah. So waking up, trying to get a ride in in the morning, which has been really difficult during winter because it's like 40 degrees even in Los Angeles. I don't know what. But you now. could do Zwift. You could
0: get on your trainer and do Zwift. I need That's to get a true. trainer. That's the whole thing. There's cheap trainers. You just need your power meter, and then you can go. That's what I do. I don't have any of those fancy ones that shifts for you and makes it harder. I just make it harder right yeah yeah. So, yeah no
1: it's true but yeah so try to get a ride in all try right to get a ride yeah. in then like i try to have like coffee be like a ritual every morning and like do the pour over do the americano and like kind of have that like get the day started sit down and then read the news and then start with the emails and that normally takes a really long time and that's actually one of my challenges is it's so easy to kind of get down the rabbit hole when you're sitting in front of your computer. Cause there's so much to do Yeah. and then time just passes. So I also always have to go to the roasters and pick up coffee and drop it off. And then a lot of phone calls and meetings and shipping out the coffee like the post office and to UPS every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, that's yeah. it. That's the internet shell. And then you're yeah. exhausted at the end of the day. Once the PO's closed and UPS
1: and FedEx, and you can relax oh, well, at all or get back on your email. Well, that's, yeah. Um, I mean, there's some days that, you know, after I go to the post office, And I like sit back in my car and I like to sit, I'm like so tired, but I'm like, okay, I got everything in, you know, like job. Yeah, I did
0: it. That's it. Well, you know, you got to hit that success button. You have to hit that and celebrate your success by having a cup of coffee or doing whatever it is that you do to relax and reflect. And you know, this from your life as a lawyer, you have to continually improve upon the way you're doing things so that you don't end up doing, you know, it's a weird thing, but when we're first starting something, we don't know yeah. the simplest way to get from A to Z, but there really is one. Like, you know, I grew up in LA too. And so my father, he worked in downtown LA and we lived in Altadena before Altadena was a cool place to live. <laughs> and so my father would do that commute every day and it was horrible then, wow. but he would say, the thing is, you have to find, always learn the shortest route between point A and point Z. And so he he taught me all about the back roads. So if the freeway is bogged down, then you're going to go over here and you're going to get on this road and then you're going to go down and then you go back behind the Hollywood Hills. And then you go, you know what I mean? Like that. And I think that's part of what you learn as an entrepreneur is -hmm. that you get better and better and better. Do you feel like that's what's been happening?
1: Absolutely. Well, I felt like I've gone through this like crazy rush of kind of running around without my head on. And now it's so much focused on being as efficient as possible and like, learning how to be like, okay, like I can cut this and I could focus on this and hopefully hiring someone to do operations soon, which is also like a massive goal for me. Cause that will free up a lot of my time. So Um,
0: Yes, but you got this support from UC Irvine. That is incredible. I mean, that is such a big deal. And that's a huge lift, of course. Then you have to train everybody and all that stuff. But that's part of the internship process. That's why they're interns. And then you eventually hire them if you can get them, right? If they love you enough and what you're doing in the world, they're so connected to it. And when you started, did you do the traditional things like coming up with what your mission statement was and your purpose? and all of those things and your goals, your big, big carry Audacious goals.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I feel like because I've been working on it for, or I've been thinking about it for years, it kind of kept being fine-tuned. It wasn't something I just like wrote down right away. It was something that really I thought about so much. And I'm so lucky to have an amazing board of directors as well, who are just these incredible women who like are all from, you know, some are lawyers, some are graphic like interpreters, really cool work that they do and all very committed to social justice, which is great. And so they're always there if I need a sounding board or if I need ideas or if I need help with anything. Like they're very supportive. So that has made a huge difference as well. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All that support. I think that level of support really buoys you when you need it. And you know, this is what I say to my partner, Julie, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ask you this question once. And I'm only going to ask it once today, but is it all going to be okay? (laughs) (laughs) And then she knows, Okay, we're going to turn on the switch. It's going to be great. This is going to be the best year ever. You know, (laughs) she's not quite as animated as that. But, you know, I think you need your pep squad to get in there and kind of help you sort things through and figure out what the next step is. And I have some great resources for you that I haven't connected you to, but I'm going to for sure now. So when you think of the vision for you, what's your vision? for Cafe Cita. you know, best case scenario, let's do the future you, let's do a future cast and tell me, what are you reeling in?
1: Well, so for Cafe Cita, I really would like, whether it's this year or later, to have the physical location and have the cafe and be able to start doing our own programs, right? Yes. So like job training, community development, like as well as fun community, like musical creative events, which is really cool. I definitely want to continue doing growing the creative side of the business, which is another aspect of when you're like, oh, but, you know, when people are thinking like, what's that thing that they want to start? And I was like, I also really wanted to be creative because as a lawyer, besides maybe creative arguments, I felt like I wasn't getting. You never got to to tap into
0: that part of yourself. All right. So that's good. So that's part of it.
1: Yeah. What else? Is there
0: anything else that you see in that, like 100,000
1: women farmers getting, you know, like. (laughs) Right. So definitely having at least like the one physical location and then continuing to grow the e-commerce and working with these platforms, which is great because I definitely don't want to lose that even despite having the physical locations. That's the ideal for a cafecita. And then for me, I cannot wait to be the person that actually is going into all the farms and meeting with all the women and being able to take on that role rather than like the day-to-day
0: Yeah. So when you you have that that operation, so we got that operations person in place, you're traveling Mm. around and you're meeting people, which is what your favorite love is, right? Travel. That was your number one. (laughs) thing. So we go back full circle to that. Well, that's fantastic. Now tell me, thank you so much for going through this, but what would you say to somebody who is in a career and they want to pivot to do their own thing? What tips would you give them about it?
1: I mean, I do think thinking it out. Right. I think there's like a fine balance of overthinking and then people never take that first step and they never actually do it. So you don't definitely don't want to get like stuck in that, but you also don't want to jump into something because it is 24 hours a day work. You know, like when you're at least as, as far as like when you're starting, you have to be passionate about the work. You have to really believe in what you're doing. So, you know, make sure that, that it is something that you really love. And then having that support, like, I don't, have a co-founder, which I think would be very, very helpful. (laughs) And I see these other companies that have that set up and I completely understand where they're coming from. So at least if you don't have that, like me, just having a good support system as well. People that you really trust their opinions and can always kind of talk to them and get that advice. So I those love those that. I think those three tips are like
0: the main tips about anything you're doing, honestly, and especially that level of support. you got to use and not abuse, but use that level of support. Use your support team and thank them often because those are the people that really have your back and they'll help you. You know, they raise the water level on your boat, which sometimes you really need that. And I know from talking to, you know, I interviewed earlier podcast Dan's Bagels. Right. And he started his bagel company like only, I don't know, four months ago, five months ago. They're sold out every single day. They have a brick and mortar in Texas. And I mean, I went there because the bagels were fantastic. But what he said was this thing that you're talking about, you know, know what you're getting into so that you're not walking in blindly and that know that it's you that's working the material. It's Mm -hmm. you that's fulfilling the orders, which is what I hear you doing, you know, talking about (laughs) driving to the coffee and dropping it off. And then, you know, all that stuff. And that's what you do at the beginning until you have someone who can help you with the other pieces of it. You're so incredible, and I love that you're doing this because I think that no matter where you are in the world as a woman, you deserve the right to be paid at an equal level as your male counterpart or whoever is your counterpart, right? So I am so grateful to you for like doing that, boosting up the experience and the economy for women. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: That's very nice. <laughs> and thank you so much for being here with us. Oh my gosh. And so in the show notes, I'll put how you can order coffee from cafe Cita because you really want to, and you want to support this and everything that you're doing and how they can follow you on Instagram. Cause I'm sure you're on Instagram and we can go with you in that trip. Yes. So you're going to oh, have to yeah. be posting. Absolutely, yeah. So we want yeah. to see that engage with you. And so all of that will be in the show notes. I just, Thank you so much for being here, Natalie. It was so great to meet you.
1: Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: All right. So everybody, you know the drill. If you like this podcast, please forward it to your friends. We want everybody to know about Natalie Webb and Cafe Sita and order that coffee so we can raise the boat for women all around the world. Thank you, everybody. Until next time, up your creative genius. I mean it. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to DM me on Instagram your feedback or takeaways from today's episode on Up Your Creative Genius. Then join me next week for more Rocket Fuel. Remember, you are the superstar of your universe, and the world needs what you have to bring. So get busy, get out, and up your creative genius. And no matter where you are in the universe, here's some big love from yours truly, Patty Dobrovolsky and the Up Your Creative Genius Podcast. That's a wrap.